0: we've been in a series speaking about light and darkness, the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of God, and how they are ultimately against, fighting against, and copying each other. Satan has a kingdom, and God has a kingdom. And we are well aware of those kingdoms' impact upon this earth, in the earthly realm, because we can see it in the effectiveness of how each kingdom advances. So I wanted to take a few minutes this morning. I want to review, and then I want to accelerate forward, and we're going to go back to some things that we said last week in the review that tie into this morning's message. There is a clash going on. There is a battle in the heavenlies that we're seeing play out in front of us on the earth. And the world is feeling it, the world is is seeing it, the world is engaged in it, and yet they don't know what it really means. As we walked around D.C. yesterday, I could see the clash, not in groups of people, although there were some that were there not of the same mind, and that's okay, but I saw it in the faces of people that didn't understand what this world was coming to. I saw it in the grief of people that were there to mourn uh, the late Supreme Court justice. I saw it in people that were just tired and frustrated and I know that we've all been down that path before. That the world, the things of this world, the, the kingdoms of this world are directly posed against the kingdoms of God. And we can feel it. The heartbeat Of people can feel the stress. How many of you, don't raise your hand, we've all experienced it, but how many of you have experienced just an unknowing, a a questioning over the last eight months? A a thinking of what in the world is happening. We started the year amazing and then, oh my word, everything just shut off and, and we're in a place where we don't understand everything that's going on. If we understand the clash of the kingdoms, we begin to get insight into what God is doing, what the enemy is doing, and how he's trying to derail everything that God is doing. Because Satan's kingdom is set up directly in opposition to God's kingdom. It is always a counterfeit. There's always a counterfeit. And last week I talked about a couple verses. I want to go to the core scripture that we have this morning of, uh, of this whole series. And we see Jesus in Matthew where he deals with The leopard, deals with the person that needs help, the the blind and deaf and mute person. But here's what I want to say is there's power, influence, and authority in both kingdoms. There's power, influence, and authority in both kingdoms. Oftentimes I think as the church we understand that we have power. We understand that we have influence and we understand that we have authority. But what we don't understand is that when we step outside of our prayer closet that the power, influence, and authority of the enemy is directly aimed at Christ in you. That that everything that you do is in conflict with what the enemy wants you to do. And so you're in a battle the whole time. It says in Scripture that we put on the whole armor of God, right? That That we may decimate the enemy, that we may withstand the enemy, but it says to put it on. We're in a battle, folks. We're in a battle to bring heaven to earth. Heaven is a country. Heaven is a state. Jesus didn't come to bring us religion. Religion is the worship of another deity, a superhuman, whatever you want to call. There's hundreds of definitions of what religion is, but that's not what Jesus came to bring us. He came to bring a country here. He came to bring a kingdom to this earth. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly Authority is the legal right to give the commander order or instruction and compel subordinates to a certain act. We talked about that last week. Do you realize that there is authority in the demonic realm right now? Active. Right now. There is authority that is executing the power of the enemy over people's lives. The statistics that we're going to hear later today will show you that the enemy is on point, engaged in our community... As we are worshiping this morning. He is changing people's minds. He's manipulating their thoughts. He's convincing them to do things that will harm themselves. He's completely transforming our culture. And if we come into the church. And we believe that an hour a week is going to transform our community. We're completely mistaken. We have to be in the battle 24-7. Seven days a week. 365 days a year. Now, is that battle something that should weigh on us? No, we we should fight that battle from victory. But we have to know that we're in it or we're defeated already. And so as we hear some of the things, we're, we're joining with hundreds of churches in this county alone this morning on Hope Sunday to share the hope that is in Christ and to share with you some of the statistics about what is happening in our world. But we see Jesus... As he engages with the enemy. He doesn't doesn't say, I come to you to bring you the gospel of Jesus. He doesn't say, I come to bring to you hope. He says, I come to you bringing the kingdom. And he would preach the kingdom and then signs and wonders would follow. As evidence that the kingdom was in their midst. We were having a discussion this morning in pre-service prayer about um, and he can share the story more eloquently than I can, but Mike uh, was at the grocery store, or at a store, and he was wearing a mask because the store uh, required them to wear a mask, and so this woman was ahead of them, and they were, you know, distance, however they, they're doing that, and, uh, and the woman in front of him turned around and said, did you used to deliver bread to me? Did you used to deliver bread to me at my store? And that was 20 years ago, or whatever, and He had a mask on. How would you know? Because there was something that she met in him, because he was on message 20 years ago, there was something that she met in him that she recognized last week. That is what we're called to be, people. We're called to be on with Jesus all the time, standing in victory, standing in hope, sharing that hope. It should emanate from you. Whether you have a mask on or not, it should emanate from you, that people would find that there's something different in you. And that's the battle. You see, the battle is not just for the hearts and minds of this world. The battle is for your heart and your mind. And if you're not in the game, you've already lost. If you're not in the game, reading the word, having Holy Spirit encounters, having healthy relationships, then you're completely missing what God has set aside for you. Last week we talked about defining the two kingdoms. We see it evidenced in Jesus' story, but I want to go through these scriptures with you. So uh, if you're taking notes right quickly, they'll be on the board. You can take pictures. Every week, I want to go through the contrast of the kingdoms because I believe scripture highlights directly what we're called to see in both kingdoms. So God has children. Amen. Amen. Satan has children. Matthew thirteen thirty-eight. The field of this world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. We see all throughout Scripture, the battle is there. The battle on earth is taking place between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Satan. Matthew 13, 24 and 25. Christ sows good seed. Satan sows tares. 24, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. We have... A battle going on. Even when we're planting seed, the enemy's planting tares. He's trying to disrupt what God has called you to engage in. I love that yesterday, tens of thousands of people, I know the official number won't come out until tomorrow, but I, I'm guessing 50,000 at the prayer march and 50,000 at, at the return, but um, 120,000 maybe were there in, in all that were coming to say, we are taking a stand for this nation. We're taking a stand for ourselves. And the first step is repentance. Yeah. God works in his children. Amen? Amen. Satan works in his too. God works in his children. Philippians two twelve and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. But the enemy works in his children too. Ephesians 2.2. 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I can stand on both sides of the platform. And I can do God has this and Satan has that. And make it a visual for you. But what you need to get in your heart is that this isn't a lackadaisical walk with God. This isn't just a, I'm going to read my Bible and hope nothing happens. This is a war. We can see it in our lives every single day. Christ has a gospel. We know the gospel of Christ, right? I'm going to read it to you out of 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which... Also, you were saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. So we know that Christ has a gospel. Well, Satan has a gospel too. Let's read that one. Galatians 1, 6-9. I marvel that you are turning... Away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Hmm. You're turning away from Christ to a different gospel. Must be the gospel of Satan. Which is not another. But there is some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you... Then what you have received, let him be accursed. So there are two Gospels. There are people believing in two different Gospels. The Gospel of God, the Gospel that we understand as believers in Christ, that good news, that that rescue from sin and and turmoil. And then there's the Gospel of the enemy that would be in complete contrast to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ Christ-appointed apostles. We we know that. I can read this scripture. You're going to know it. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. I love that. Underline that word in your Bible, that they might be with him. One of the things that we miss in ministry because life is so wild and crazy and people are working five jobs and trying to make ends meet is we, we miss being together, being with people, so that we can actually allow this, the Holy Spirit to move in a group. Well, let's continue. That he might be with, that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Notice it was transferred. The holy transfer there. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boang Boangers, sorry, that is the sons of Thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the son of Altheus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. And they went into the house. Christ appointed apostles. But Satan has too. We don't focus on that much. But he has too. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13-15. For such are false apostles. Deceitful workers. Transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Undercover agents of the enemy. And no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if ye ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. The enemy sends spies into the camp, the enemy sends undercover agents to derail what you have been called to do and to keep you from your destiny. You see every kingdom has authority. Everything them every kingdom has influence and every kingdom has power We can't disregard the power influence and authority of the enemy Although we know we have victory if we don't call it out. It will overtake us I think that one of the most amazing things that we see if you turn with me to Matthew 12 now and we'll read Verse 22 Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed blind and mute and he healed So that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom, his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do you, to whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely you know the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. There are two kingdoms defined. This is the battle. This is the core scripture of our of our study of the two kingdoms. Jesus displays the kingdom of God as he works in the world as he works with people you can see it as he works with the woman at the well as he stands in the temple you can see that the kingdom of god is now being made manifest upon the earth and he says i give that to you to do now my ecclesia my called out ones when people see you walk into a situation when people see you talk to them do they see you or do they see jesus in you The hope of glory. You see, in Mike's story, when he was talking about this woman noticing him, there's no way that by his facial features she could have understood. But it was by Christ in him. Christ in him. We are called to be that light in this world, that light to our neighbors. But sometimes I think we walk by so many people and we don't even know their story. This weekend we were walking down the down the sidewalk along one of the roads in in the mall. Uh, And uh, there was this woman that was pulling a bunch of stuff She could tell she was homeless and she was carrying what looked to be a bible And uh, jen said to me she's like, I just want to know her story I just want to know her story. We weren't able to get it, but I want to know their I want to know her story How many people do you go by every day that have a story that would transform who you are That would accelerate the kingdom of heaven if you knew their story And yet you don't because you don't take the time and I don't take the time to actually ask The battle is raging. The battle may be in your life distraction. The battle may be a discontentment with everything that's going on that distracts you from what you're called to do. We're called to be salt and light to this world. You see, you were sent to this earth to dominate this earth, to have dominion, it says in Genesis, to dominate, to to rule and reign. And yet, we see a world falling apart around us. Are you engaged in the battle? Your purpose is not to go out and take authority in the natural realm per se. It might be tomorrow if that's what he tells you to do. You see, the battle changes. I, I love the, the story. We had George Washington a month ago over in the, in the zone building and, and we had him over there and he was telling about the strategies of war in the Revolutionary War. And the strategies would change with the weather because they had no way to communicate long distances. So when you made a plan, you would go with that plan, but the weather may actually stop you from doing what you were doing. And so you had to seek what he called divine providence to get a plan, seek God to get a plan on how to go around the thing that was stopping you. And I believe that sometimes in the battle, we get to a place where we come to a a point where the pressure is so intense. That we don't even ask the Lord if there's a strategy to stop it. And so we stop and we wait because maybe the wind will blow over. Maybe the clouds will blow away and I can continue doing what he said. But I believe that there is a different strategy every single day in this battle. That you are called to listen for. That you are called to reflect on. The Bible. This word. Is a guide. It's a constitution. We've talked about that. It is your guidebook to life on this earth. But not life conformed to this earth. Life empowered by the kingdom of heaven. To be displayed upon the earth. We serve a king. Who's given us instructions. And he's asked us to fill the earth, to colonize earth. You see, we often simplify this whole walk with the Lord. That we do our duties and that we perform the things that we need to perform. We show up when we know we need to show up and we do what we need to do. But that's not what colonization is. Colonization is to come in to bring the culture that you are from. See, you have forgotten about your homeland. You have forgotten about heaven, which is where you're from. And if you're going to colonize the earth, the essence of heaven needs to flow through you to this world to see change. And when that begins to happen, historians say there was an awakening. There was a revival. There was a move of God in that city. There was something that happened that was out of the ordinary because people weren't just playing religious games. You see, the kingdom of God that is directly in conflict with the kingdom of Satan will always, will always be changing. Satan's kingdom is here to derail you personally, to derail your family, to derail your anointing, your calling, your destiny, every single day. And we as the church are called to bring the culture of heaven to earth. Now, I know that you've sang songs about this, and we we do often, but we talk about the glory of God. I want you to think about the glory of a kingdom. How does a kingdom advance? What is the power and glory of a kingdom? What is that? It is always referenced by the accumulation of land. We see it all throughout scripture. We see it before. We see it now in this world that a kingdom is known and the power is decided by how much land they occupy or control. And so yesterday we're, we're in D.C. and they're talking about all the issues that you would all know and that you all pray about, I'm sure, as you intercede for our country. All the things that are falling apart, 60 million babies. We've got, we've got a world that's burning. We've got a country that's burning. They're all, they're all praying about all of that stuff, which is totally, totally awesome. But I have to wonder, how did the enemy, the kingdom of Satan, get so much ground? because a kingdom advances by land by ground how did how did all this happen and we have to go back into history to look at places where the church had ground we had influence we had territory we call people in 1980 to the mall and we get a million men out on the mall We have two prayer walks in D.C. yesterday, and we get 150,000, 100,000, whatever it is. It's a loss of ground. It's a loss of ground. We can sugarcoat it, we can say whatever we want, but the church, the ecclesia, the called-out ones of God have lost ground. And it's because, I believe, that we've taken the battle for granted. All kingdoms will expand. Now we who grew up in America, I know that we have some people that maybe didn't all their whole life, but we that were born in America that understand independence and all that, which can be great and it can be Horrible, too, because we don't understand the way the word was written. Because it was written as a king and a letter and a constitution for a kingdom. But see, we grew up in a democracy and we think we have a vote. We grew up in a republic, we think we have a vote. We don't. The king dictates what happens. And he says, I have called you, the ecclesia, the called out ones, to bring heaven, this country, to colonize earth that's your call if you look in the scriptures if you look through the Old Testament and you look at all the battles we're going to go back to Joshua in a minute but when you, when you look at all the battles it was about land it was about taking something it was about bringing the Israelites were coming to, to take ground that was given to them and it took battle it took battle now last week we talked in Joshua 5, if you go there, we're not going to read the whole thing, but I want to focus on 13 through 15. So we know that they were circumcised, they, they were, the reproach of Egypt was broken off, their, off them, their heart was clean, they're, they're ready to go now, all the things that held them back are now taken away, God's taken them away, and And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. You know that there's action that you need to take to see God? He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? so he said no but as commander of the army of the lord i have now come and joshua fell on his face on the earth and worshiped and said to him what does my lord say to the servant then the commander of the lord's army said to joshua take your sandal off your foot for the place you stand is holy ground and joshua did so there comes a point in time when you realize that the battle is for real maybe it's the doctor's diagnosis maybe it's a a loss of a job. Maybe it's a physical circumstance that I can't name all of them right now, but maybe it's a relational thing. But you realize that the enemy wants to tear apart your marriage. You realize that the enemy wants to tear apart your body. You realize that the enemy wants you to fail because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And then in that season when you're dealing with all of that nonsense, you look to God now I think sometimes we've all looked to God in those circumstances and we've seen the God of all the years past and then some people look at the circumstance and see the God who's in front of them you see Joshua could have looked at the God who took care of them through the wilderness who provided all the food who provided their shoes didn't wear out he was their seamstress he was their their shoe guy, he was everything to them and miracles were happening all the time. And he could have seen him that way. But when he looked upon him, he didn't recognize that this was God. He said, who are you for? Me or my enemy? Why? Because God came in battle gear. I believe that to advance the kingdom of God, our closets and our workplaces and our family time and our recreation time all need to be used from the perspective of gaining ground back. If we want to see revival in our country, we can repent and we can have 100,000 people on the mall to repent. That's awesome. And I believe that the, that the enemy's foundations were shaken. If you heard 50 shofars blow all at the same time, I can tell you the ground was shaking. But what I'm saying today is is that that's great and I'm not negating that at all but what I'm saying is there needs to be 100,000 churches full of 200 people that are now engaged in the battle if we're going to see the kingdom of God advanced. So why are we supposed to bring heaven to earth? Why the culture of heaven? Because God wants every person to succeed. That's his heart. Think about heaven. We're, we're supposed to have heaven come to earth, right? Well, I, I remember a, a picture of heaven written in scripture that talks about streets paved with gold and gates out of one pearl. That's what he wants for everybody. He doesn't want you to be bound in addictions and shooting up heroin and doing all the stuff that the world is doing right now. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be prosperous. You see, the church should be the most prosperous, free people on the planet. Everybody in a religious atmosphere wants to get to heaven. That's their goal. Just take me to heaven, right? You hear the religious people. Get me out of here. I want to go to heaven. You can't go to heaven because you're not living prosperously on the earth and you'll try to take the road up. You'll try to take the pearl off because you think it's yours. He wants us to be prosperous on the earth so that when we get to heaven we pay more attention to him than the stuff. God wants every person that you walk by, Greg, every person that you saw yesterday, he wants them to be successful. He wants them to be prosperous. He wants them to know love. He wants them to be influenced by his kingdom. He wants the kingdom of darkness broken off their life more than you could ever want it for them, even if it's your spouse. He wants it broken off. He wants them healed, delivered, sanctified. He wants them to be so free that they dance around even when there's no music playing because they're so filled with joy. He wants all of that for the people that we walk by every day. He wants them to have a place in heaven. So let's keep reading Joshua 6.1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. They knew something was coming. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. God never asks you to do something that isn't already completed. He asked them to go fight the battle, but he said, I've given it to you. Now, he said that the first time around, and they didn't believe it, so they sent spies in, didn't believe that report either. And so then they had to go waste a whole bunch of time in the wilderness and lose a generation. It's about time we start listening to what God says, and if he says he gives you something, you better go take it. Right? If he said to you that your destiny is to transform nations, then why are you sitting here? If he says that your destiny is to start a business and transform a certain industry, then you better get to doing it. Because I know that going around the wilderness, we not only lose time, we lose hope. And the Lord said to Joshua, verse 2, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king. The king of the other territory was already given to him. Okay, I'll say it again. The king, so the one that has the power, the influence, and the authority of Jericho was already given to Joshua before they did anything. Why? Because that king didn't own what he thought he owned. Because it's all God's. It's all his anyway. And so God didn't say, I'm going to give you the promised land and then there's going to be some people in there that are going to not like you and then, and then all of that stuff, right? He just said, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. Go take it. Yeah, there's going to be struggle. They'll figure that out. But he said, I've given it to you. There are things that God has for you that he's told you 25 years ago he was giving to you and yet you haven't walked into it. Why? Because oftentimes we're not hearing battle orders. We stand in front of God and we don't see that he has a sword today. And he's ready for battle. Let's keep reading. What does he say? He says you shall go and just march in there and take everything that they have. You should go do it in your own strength because I've given it to you. Oh, that's not what it says? Oh. It says you shall march around the city all of your men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets and ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets. Now, the strategy for recovering the destiny and the promise that God has for you may look completely different today than it did yesterday. And our job... As believers is to go to the general and say, "How can I serve you? What do you want me to do?" And the general will say, "I've given you that ground. Go take it." Here is how you should do it. It may be with a sword, it may be on your knees, it may be going to a specific place. it may be talking to a specific person. Because the provision that God has for you may not be a dollar, it may be a person. You see, but we walk by so many people. Turn with me to Matthew 10. We're going to start in verse 1. Now, I've showed you in the Old Testament that there's a different strategy, right? They were supposed to march around the walls. Now, the walls of Jericho were super thick, and they had big, thick gates, and you know, they weren't going to be penetrated except a miracle. But I want to tell you that that's not just an Old Testament thing. I'm going to tie it into the New Testament because God has a a different strategy for you today. So let's read verse 1. And when he called the 12 disciples, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Who was doing it? They were. So let's not ask, ask God to do it. Let's do it. He's given the power. Now the names of the 12 apostles. Let's skip down to verse 5. We've got to hurry because of time. These 12, Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now it doesn't say... Pray to me to heal or do any of that. So let's read. So there's no preface to the next verse. This is his direct command as a commander of an army of people sent to colonize earth. This is his command. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. That's your command. Provide neither gold nor silver, nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city you enter in, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there until you go out. So he says, don't take anything with you. I've called you. I've given you everything you need, but don't take anything natural with you. Just go and do what I've told you and I will take care of you. You will be taken care of. Amen? So maybe some of you today... There is a calling upon your life, and you are looking at your bank account. You're looking at the things that that you have in the natural, and you're saying, I have no clue how this is going to work. I know, God, that you said to go do that, but I have no idea. I've got no physical thing to take with me. I've got nothing that this can actually be accomplished, so I'm just going to sit in church and have fun every Sunday and worship and read my Bible and just do that. And you would not have seen what you can read in the next rest of that chapter, in the next few chapters, of what happened because they went out and did that. Okay? So that's one scenario. One scenario is that he sent them out with nothing, but he said, with no physical things, but he said, I have given you the power to do all this, so go do it. Some of you today, you need to just go do it. Now turn to Luke 22. This is so much fun, people. Luke 22, verses 36 and 37. Actually go 35. And he said to them, when I sent you out without a money bag, a knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? He sent them out without the physical stuff, and they didn't lack. Right? So now, he says, okay, I've sent you out that way. They said, We didn't lack anything. Everything was fine. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise a knapsack. And he who has has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you, this which is written must be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for their things concerning me have an end. I want you to think about this. He sent them out twice to do the same thing. They had the same anointing both times. They had the same power to heal heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. They had the same calling upon them that he had spoken into them, that he had breathed into them. They had the same call. And one time he says, go out with nothing. And they were taken care of. The next time he said, sell some garments and buy a sword because this is the time you're going out with a sword. I'm asking you today, the destiny that you have Maybe one maybe is going to have one of those outcomes Maybe god is telling you today. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the stuff I've called you to do it do it go And the other one might be you've got all the stuff i've told you to do it But you need your sword today because there's going to be an enemy that's going to try to stop you And he doesn't say take a sword because you're going to have to battle 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 and you're never going to achieve your objective He just says take a sword Because you're in a battle. And there's going to be something that comes against you that you're going to need your sword. You already have victory. You already have the anointing that I've given you. Go march through it, but you might have to take some heads as you go. Do you want to know why the church has lost ground in the world? Because we preach the poverty gospel and we say it's good to not have anything because we're more righteous. Instead of saying, he has the best for us, he wants the best for us, he's given us everything that we could ever need, and sometimes we need to take a sword. If we stay inside the walls of this this building, if the church stays inside the walls, we will never be effective at colonizing the earth. Because colonizing the earth, just as it does with the Israelites, takes battles. So to fulfill the calling that God has for you, to go the distance, to do what he's asked you to do, more than likely you're going to face some opposition. And it might be in your family. It might be in your friend group. It might be at your workplace. It might be in the church. And we have to be listening to the commander as he says, go with nothing and I'll take care of you. Or go with a sword because I'm going to ask you to take some, take some ground for me today. When you get up in the morning and your feet hit the floor and you put your phone down because they say that 98% of people pick up their phone as soon as they wake up before their feet even hit the ground. So when you put your phone back down and you ask the Lord for one second, Lord, today do I need my sword? Yes, he says, put on the whole armor. But today, am I going to use it? Show me how to use it. Show me what to do effectively so that I can walk in the anointing that you have for me so that I can do battle. On your behalf. Now we walk around the city of Dover. We don't see 100,000 people yet in Dover. We may see them in our county, but we don't see them in, on the streets of Dover. But I can guarantee you're walking by someone today and tomorrow and the next day that is bound up in something that you may need your sword to take it off of. You may need to go into battle on their behalf. You may need to speak over them. You may need to pray over them. You may not even ever talk to them, but God may show you in the spiritual realm there's something that needs to be cut off of that person. But we can be so myopic and think that just reading our Bible and just living and existing is going to be worth it, is going to actually make a difference. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. That's meant for you. But I also believe it's meant for those who you're called to minister to. Those who you're called to minister for and with. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you don't have to walk very far in this world to see things that are completely opposite of the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. The battle's raging. The battle's raging in your mind. The battle saying, "I, I don't know if I can do that thing. I don't know if I can endure that. God, I don't know. Take it away from me. And God is saying, I've given you the sword. I've given you the victory. They could have not gone in and fought that battle. Sometimes we don't. And we don't see the three days of spoils that we're supposed to take with it. And then it says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. God is asking us to rise up as a church, to rise up as believers, to walk in the authority, the power, and the influence, to do battle against darkness every single day, and to see the light of heaven propagated upon the whole earth. Now, you've seen darkness... You know what darkness looks like. You've seen light. You've met Jesus. You've seen it all. So you know both sides. You know both kingdoms. You know they're battling against each other. And in this hour as I talk to people all from all around the country, from all around the world, I've talked to people and they say, it's so dark right now. It's so dark right now. And God is saying, it's time to do battle, folks. It's time to take some ground back. It's time to be the Ecclesia, the called out ones. It's time to be the church in this hour and bring my kingdom to earth. Colonize this planet that you're so graciously able to be on. Now I wanted to talk about that kingdom perspective this morning because there's a unspoken blight against our society. There's this unspoken thing that happens. You walk by them every day you probably talk to them if you're a nice person and you actually engage with people. You've probably talked to people that are affected by this. You've seen people in the community that are affected by this. And so today, to close the service, I want to read to you what is happening in this county right now. Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition and T4C is partnering with local churches across denominations right now, as we're speaking. To bring hope to communities impacted by increases in issues around mental health and drug addiction. As a nation, we have seen a significant uptick in alcohol sales and suicides during the pandemic. In addition, wrap your mind around this. In addition, in Tuscarawas County, we have experienced a 283% increase in drug overdose deaths in the first six months of 2020. Today, coinciding with the National Recovery Month, numerous churches will come together to recognize Hope Sunday. Today is an opportunity to give, to create awareness around areas of concern in our local communities and a call to action to our local churches and community members. As a part of the countywide event, Rove Creative Company team, an extension of the Ezekiel Project, has created a short video called Looking Up. That helps persons better understand the difficult issues that members of our community are struggling with. This video engages faith communities and residents to actively seek out, go to war, I added that part, love and support those hurting and struggling. The purpose of Hope Sunday is to encourage the body of Christ to intentionally reach out to the broken, to the hurting, and addicted. To create relationships and love people into a place of wholeness and hope. What if we saw this problem in front of us as an opportunity? An opportunity to be light, to offer the one true hope, and to be the hands and feet of Christ in our hurting communities.
1: to lose it ain't like you've never tried but life ain't been too fair to you when you can't feel a thing inside and you don't know what to do you just look up to the sky and heaven going
2: down on you thoughts of suicide were a constant and i mean a daily it was a daily basis that was a lot of the reason I used back then was I didn't know how to handle all these emotions and feelings going on with me and I needed to drown that. I needed to numb that pain because it was really intense and it was severe and it was it was there. I isolated. I mean, big time. I don't want to be around nobody. I don't want nobody to be around me.
0: I felt trapped.
1: Like, either I was going to die from it or I was going to get delivered from it. Like, it was, like, too completely extreme.
2: I have to make myself do stuff. Because if I don't, I'm in trouble. I've thought suicidal thoughts, I guarantee it, since coronavirus. You know, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a struggle for me. Have I thought about it? You better have. Um, have I done stuff about it? Yes, I have. I have to do something more. I know what the end result of that's gonna be. The end result of that's gonna be is I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna pull the trigger, and I'm gonna do it again. This time I'll do it right.
1: causes them to be so insanely depressed that it can cause suicidal thoughts, worse depression, which causes more isolation and it just, it just feeds upon itself and it literally ruins every individual and it just kind of like a dark infection that just starts to spread. To say, well look what you're doing, you shouldn't be going to church, you're high, you're Having sex outside of marriage. You're doing this. You're doing this. You shouldn't be at church. That's where you should be. If, it, if it's really in deep with them, that's where the church needs to say, hey, you know, say it's you and you're just at your deepest, darkest moment, causing more isolation for you. I need to be pounding on your door saying, are you all right? Hey, man, let's go get some coffee. I don't have to preach to you. You should be able to see God through me and I should be able to penetrate through that darkness and say, I just love you. I just want to hang out. And that's what people want to know. I know you. And you know what it's like to lose It ain't like you've never tried But life ain't been too fair to you
2: I have that peace. I don't have to fight it anymore. God finally said, hey, wait a minute. Remember when I said, I'm not done with you yet? I meant it.
0: Video seeing transformation happen because there was a church in this region that was willing to love him. A church in this region that was willing to embrace him, to care for him, to be able to see him in his addiction, to be able to see him when they walked by him, to see transformation. John 15, 17 says, my command is this that you would love one another if we follow this command to love each other no matter the person or the circumstances imagine what a difference we could make in someone else's life for people who struggle with addiction christ's love through us can wash away the shame that many of them feel through loving others we give the gift of hope for a better future If the lost and broken can feel the love of God through you and through me, they can find the courage to look beyond their past and see the value that God has placed in them. When we listen to God's command and show the love, we are all freely given. We can make a positive impact on our whole community. We have the privilege of being the hands and feet of Christ. We need to move our feet towards those in need. We need to extend our hands to every person affected by addiction. Ladies and gentlemen, 283% increase in the first six months of 2020. In this county, Oftentimes we talk about transforming the world. Oftentimes we talk about your your destiny is not just maybe even here. We talk about the transformation that you can make in the world. We talk about all the things, yet we are standing. We are standing in a physical location that has seen almost a 300% increase in these problems. We talk about losing ground we talk about taking ground back we talk about all the things that we're called to do and yet this is going on in our background this is going on right now right now as we speak in this in this county i don't even want to know what the numbers are from june until now church it's time to wake up It's time to not sit in our homes. It's time to engage in our community. It's time to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's time to not allow these people to walk by us at Bueller's or to just be someone that we pass. It's time to hear their story. I often think about what Jesus would do in a time like this. I can guarantee he wouldn't be at home. I can guarantee he'd be out trying to find somebody to talk to. He'd be trying to find somebody who could, he could engage with. He would be trying to find somebody that he could bring hope. And yet we've got hundreds and hundreds of churches, even in this little area that we call Tuscarawks County and beyond, that are filled with people that God has filled with hope. and an increase of 300%. May we be the bastions of hope. May we be the answer. May we be the hands and feet of Christ in our own community and be able to see his kingdom come to earth, see transformation, see addictions broken off. In the video, he talks about contemplating suicide even during COVID. Even after being loved and transformed by the church, he was still battling the demons. But the church loved him. But the church cared for him. The church saw him in that weakness. And they came into his hotel room. They came into a room where they could help him, where they could be with him. They brought pizza. And they were with him. Jesus called the disciples to be with him. It's time today for the church to rise up and be with those affected in our community to be the connection agents between heaven and earth between the, the heart of God and those who are in most desperate need now this maybe hasn't affected your family praise the Lord but maybe it has and maybe they're not even in this region and maybe you know that this time has been super hard for them I want everybody to stand with me. As a people, as a church, as as your leader, I want to ask the Lord's forgiveness for missing these people. I can guarantee that 300%, you, somebody in this room, the, the world isn't that big, Somebody in this room has come in contact with one of those 300% that have lost hope, that have contemplated suicide, that have drowned themselves in addictions. We've walked by them. So I just want to take a minute. Father, today, we as a family repent. We confess that we've missed you in these people. For they are all sons and daughters of a king. Father, today we confess that we've missed it. And Lord, we repent as a family. And we say that we will welcome them. We will engage with them. We will love them just as we were loved. Father, today in our house, I can only speak for our house, it will be different from this point on. For when we get up from our prayer, from we, when we get up from this place and we go, the world will see a difference. They will see a transformed Summit family. They will see a transformed heart in this community. Father, today we take dominion over the enemy. We exercise that dominion that you've given us and we break all ties of addiction, suicide in this region. Father, we ask for open doors for each of us in this room to meet one of these people, to be able to share the love of God with them, to be able to be your heart, to be able to be your hands, to be able to be your feet. And Lord, as you have declared that we would be your mouthpiece to the world. From this day forth, September 27, 2020, We have changed our direction. Lord, now let it not just be the words of a pastor on a platform. May it be the cry of the heart of every person that is in this room, that is watching online, that forever we would transform how we see those who are around us. We ask their stories. We engage in conversation. We give them exactly what you tell us to say. And we take advantage of every divine appointment that you give us. For, Lord, we want to be the transformation in our city. We want to be the transformation in our community. Lord, grant us that. We thank you for your grace upon us. We thank you for the love that you've poured into us. Lord, may we be conduits of that love to our neighbors. Transform us every single day to who you would have us to be Father I thank you for this organization, these organizations that are here Father I thank you for the work that Jody is doing, her team this organization as they try to eradicate addiction from this community the battle is real Lord may we engage with this battle may we see victory may this county, Tuscarawas County, Ohio be the drug-free capital of Ohio. May this be ruled as the place where people come to recover, not to buy drugs. They come to recover. Lord, may this organization that we've partnered with, may they explode around this community. May they get into open doors that they never thought they could have. May their, may their voice, may their counseling, may their, their push to... To bring Christ into these situations, may it just be accelerated and may we be those hands and feet as well. Father, we give ourselves to you. May you just totally consume us. May everything that we are be put away and may everything that you are be put on us, that we would be your light, that people 10 years from now would see us in a grocery and say, are you the one that did that? Are you the one that talked to me? Are you the one that I encountered in that place? because my life is completely transformed because of your obedience. Father, we thank you for your grace and peace and love. In Jesus' name, amen.